Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Largo Road, near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. What the hell is this? Agent Denham, that is a 1963 Ferrari 250 GT Lusso, owned and raced by the coolest cat who ever lived, Steve McQueen. This was his baby, and now it's my baby. You got Steve McQueen's car parked in your living room? And here I thought you were an ass. I paid a million for it 10 years ago. I wouldn't sell it for 10 times that. We're 65 stories up. How do we get out of here? You don't. This car was taken apart piece by piece and reassembled inside this room. Well, this car will eventually be sold at auction with the rest of your belongings. Only if I'm guilty, Agent Denham, which I'm not. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. This is Bill Warner of the Amelia Island Concord Delegates, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Video and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Running your computers in Google, TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio. Don't forget to check out our website, Golfstream Motorsports website. Did I just say that, Bobby? But look at that. I'm going, beep, 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 beep. No, where I was going with this, I said, if you missed any of our past shows, be sure to check out Nostalgic Video and Cars, the podcast, which is located on our website. And you can hear all 304 shows. Is that how many we got now? That's, we're doing pretty good. We're just creeping up there slowly by surely, right? Six I years? think so. Slowly but surely. Okay, st- you know what? Sometimes when I play these shows back, I listen and I go, man, I need to slow down, talk more distinctly. Now, I have been working on that a little bit, okay, because I really don't talk that bad. But when I talk fast, and the reason I do so is because, you know, we've got less than an hour. We've got 53 minutes and change to get as much out as I possibly can. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Here we go. <coughs> got to call. You're not talented. You're not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. Anyway, uh, it's all your fault, you know, because you got me into this mess. But anyway, um, but hey, you know, six years later, here we are. So anyway, so I got to try to to enunciate my words a little bit more. But anyway, so go to Nostalgic Reading Cars on our podcast. No, the Nostalgic Reading Cars, the podcast. This is great uh, fodder. You know, I mean, this is just like, uh, is this what they call bloopers, Bobby? So- yeah, I believe might even have a picture. You might even have a picture. Okay, so Nostalgic Video Cars and Podcast to hear all our past shows. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Don't forget to 
Well, Bobby, you know the social media thing, so I'll let you do that. You're better at it than I am. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Periscope, LinkedIn, Nostalgic Radio, and Cars. Okay, and then uh, the, the Twitter Periscope thing is what? At NRC on air. At NRC on air. Okay, now it's time for a speed culture minute because what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to always throw that in the beginning of the show. And uh, this past weekend, there was a number of things going on, obviously. Uh, Just Toys had their uh, second grand opening celebration in Orlando, and uh, Ice Ice Jeffy was up there doing that, hanging out with those guys. We didn't make it because we had things that we were doing on this side of the bay because we had, well, we had family stuff to do because uh, my two nieces graduated from high school, right, Bobby? And my nephew, one of my nephews did. So that was, there was a Friday night thing, a Thursday night thing, and then a Saturday thing. So it really didn't leave us much of a choice. And then I think Sunday there was a little car show gathering over at um, East. What's that? The Eagle Lake Park? Is that what it's called, Bobby? Eagle Lake Park. Yep. Here I go again. I got a cough. Okay, hold on, everybody. One, two, three. <coughs> In the mic. Why not? Let's just spread some germs. Hello, Americans. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, that's uh, our buddy Bill, and uh, we should we should bring him on the show one of these days. But anyway, so they had a little tuner get together, and uh, the guys down here on Missouri Avenue. It's called Next Gen Tuning. Next Gen Evan and those guys. Next Gen Tuning, and uh, so they put on a little annual uh, event, and it was over at Eagle Lake Park, and they had. Uh, it catered by Wing House, by the way, and uh, so I want to thank Evan and those guys. And there was probably something like 30 or 40 cars. Now, I borrowed a friend of mine's MGB GT vintage car, so even though I didn't want to show up with some obnoxious truck that I drive or, uh, you know, a whole host of other things that I have. Don't that, make me come up! Uh, I'm sorry, i got to call you back. Uh, <laughs> that don't run and drive, I borrowed this MGB real quick. Now, that's a subject for a little bit later in the show here. We're going to get into that. But at any rate, so they had a good turnout, a lot of cars, a lot of tuners. And those guys are pretty serious. You know, what I what I what I, I don't really get into those cars that much, but I, I respect the fact that those guys are really enthusiastic and they share the same enthusiasm, the motorsport and automotive enthusiasm that we did when we were younger. It's just that when our cars when we were younger back in the seventies, you know, and even in the eighties, some of the guys had kind of tagged along with us. Cars were cheap. Okay. You carburetors, points, you know, things of that nature. These guys today, I mean turbochargers, two turbochargers, superchargers, uh, you know, swapping motors. Uh, we're not talking, you know, popping a, taking a six-cylinder out and throwing a V8 in it, and, you know, hanging a set of headers on it and, you know, an intake manifold and a few things like that, some aluminum valve covers and, and, and a Holley carburetor. No, we're talking about, you know, they got these high-tech motors with computers and, and all kinds of stuff that I don't even know how to pronounce, you know, and uh, these are not cheap. This is not junkyard stuff. So these guys are pretty serious. So their cars are pretty fast. So when you get a little, like, one of those little sewing machine engines, which is what I kind of affectionately refer to them at... What do you mean, broken? Well, fix it then, you stupid bucket. <laughs> bucket. He said bucket, okay? Um, but at any rate, uh, they uh, they got some pretty serious stuff. But that one of those little sewing machines over there was something like 300 and some odd horse, 350 horsepower, and it's a little four-cylinder, which like, you know, under two liters. That's a lot. That's twisting the living daylights out of him. I mean, the guy had the car gutted. He had it, you know, he he had taken a big hole saw and just cut holes in the frame and the and the inner chassis and stuff like that to really really lighten that thing up so he could sit there and run in the ten second range, you know, just wind it up and bing, let it go, you know. So do we have a sound effect that does that, Bobby? Something like that, like a, I don't know. There might be one in there.
anyway, the uh, so that was a pretty good turnout. So what did I do? I rolled up in there in the 1974 MGB GT, which is British. So I was lucky it even ran. I was lucky I even was able to get out of the driveway. And uh, but an MGB GT is kind of cool. It's uh, and we'll get into that because my good friend Alan was helping us try to screw that thing back together so it would actually somewhat work. And what's interesting about that car is I'd like to say, hey, look, these they have electrical problems. That's what they're known for. Reports of a flying saucer hovering over the city have been confirmed. The flying saucers are real. Really? Okay, we need to look into that. We might have to bring us some breaking news data on that, Bobby. So at any rate... Um, the British are coming! The British are coming! So typically British cars don't work. And uh, I'm surprised that they even did as good as they did during World War II. I'm surprised uh, Spitfire even got off the ground or anything else that the British made because... It's not just the wiring. It is the wiring, you know, and it switches. I mean, it's like you... you huge! Yeah, huge problems. And um, a friend of mine, he goes, well, so you got to buy some switches and, and some clips and this and miscellaneous junk, you know, every year. So it's a few hundred bucks just to keep it going. But the problem is, is that they have... This car has a, a what they call a positive ground, so it's backwards, for one. And Alan was trying to explain it to me, which is relatively simple in mechanical terms if you kind of understand it it's just uh you know it's just laid up different but it's uh but it's confusing because it sounds it, it's just the way the battery is it's the positive side's the negative and then the, the other side is you know a, a battery doesn't know the difference it's kind of like if you stick your you know like if you've got a 110 lock line out here and uh, you stick it in the in the socket it's one way or the other it makes no difference let me guess alan's on the phone <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get schooled here real quick. Alan's gonna just beat me up real bad. Alan, are you there? Yeah. Hey, the car is negative ground. Okay, it's negative negative yeah, ground. There's a, there's a notice on the car support that says negative ground. Yeah. Okay. I, I have yeah. negative feelings towards the MGB, but if it weren't for you, I wouldn't even venture into playing around with those things. But anyway, so Alan's got to kind of straighten out. But they, so it's like the other night we were tinkering with it, and what happened? You know, lights went out, brake lights went out, and it's always something. Then the car quit. Yeah, the what point, the hell is wrong with you all? Yo, know, while we're sitting there watching it run, it shuts off. I had to take the points file, clean the points up, and it started up again. So there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You make it seem so simple, Alan. You really well, you do. Don't, you don't have fancy ignition module with a computer. You need a point file. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so, uh, yeah, what we're going to have to do, Alan, we're just going to have to bring you on the air here one day when uh, when I don't have anybody else scheduled, and we'll just sit there and we'll just badger uh, British, okay. British and Italian Harvey. cars. I'm sort of Harvey Corman there, huh? Yeah, 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 that. Because you and I, and I'll be... Uh, Who's the other little guy, the little Tim Conway guy? I'll be the Tim yeah, Conway. Harvey Corman, he's like, okay, we can't get this guy. We can't get this guy. Oh, oh here's Corman way on the list. He's not busy. We'll get him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, yeah, I figured you might be listening tonight. So while I'm talking, I figured you'd call it. It was kind of cool. But anyway, yeah. so, but really the cars aren't that complicated. Uh, you got your little, like, yeah. you got your little, like yeah. Well, you know, mechanically, they're not a, a big problem. It's just the wiring, because of the way the, the wiring's set up, the, the weak, the, 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 you know, it's like everything. They always talk about the weakest link. The weakest link really is the switches and the grounds. Yeah, the headlight switch, the headlights didn't work right. No. And it's got all the current going through this plastic housing, and the little pieces for the connectors sort of melt, and they don't touch, get touched by the switch part anymore. So you got to just put relays in to make it work forever. Right. So, 
At any rate, but yeah. we did get it running. So tomorrow, um, you know, I had a bunch of stuff I had to do today, paperwork and this and that, usual stuff. So tomorrow I'll, I'll go over there and we'll see if it starts and see what see what doesn't ignite, ignite on us and drive yeah. around the block. Of course, <laughs> tomorrow i got to work on the Mark II, too. So oh, yeah, you got to work on the Mark II. Yeah. Yeah, so you yeah. get to... $10,000 and the car don't even have self-adjusting brakes. That's all i got to say. $10,000 and the car has no self-adjusting brakes. Yeah, 1957. Yeah. Well, that was kind of, that would have been considered advanced by the day by the by, back did, in those. I researched it. they had self-adjusting brakes in 59. That was the first year. Uh American cars are foreign. The Lincoln. The Lincoln. Oh, really? But the Mark yeah, II yeah. didn't? Yeah, there's no self-adjusting front or rear on that. It's drum brake all the way around. And you got to use the brake. It looks like someone put it together incomplete, you know, for a drum brake. Because the spring went over the adjuster, and the spring keeps the adjuster from moving. Oh. Looks like someone just threw parts away, but they did it in spatula. Okay. Yeah. So I can say for ten grand, what do you want? For yeah. ten grand, yeah. Back in the day, right? That was a lot of money in 1956, though. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was. Buy, yeah, you could buy a Ferrari for that. You could, you could a Ferrari, and a Rolls Royce cost about what about ten, eleven grand back in the day, right? I have no idea. And a cattle and a and a four door stainless steel hardtop Cadillac Brougham, right? Thirteen grand. Thirteen grand. They sold. They sold like they didn't sell either because they were too expensive. Well, I am told, and this is a debate for another time, but I am told that the Mark II as well as the Brougham cost more to produce than what they sold the car for. Oh yeah, yeah. They built the factory for the Mark II from the ground up. Yeah. Oh, they did. Really? They could have sold the cars for fifteen grand and still lost money. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So All right. 2012. Okay, I'm out of here. Get back to the show. All right, get back yeah. to the show. Thanks for calling in there, Alan. We should have played yeah. his theme oh, yeah. song. What color is MGB again? Make it, give it a masculine name. I'll catch you later. <laughs> the MB, M, M, MGBGT, 74, one-year-only color, is called... He, he leaves to his theme song. He leaves to his theme song, Alan, because he's a Volvo yeah, guy. Yeah. This thing. <laughs> The color is called Mirage. That's the masculine name. If you're if you wear a skirt, it's uh it's mauve. <laughs> hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Wedding Car, don't touch a dial. We're gonna be talking about European cars. We've got a real good guest slash friend of mine, friend slash guest coming in a little later. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Wedding Cars. Here's a little Adriano Celentano. <laughs>
questo pugno in faccia mi arrivò Andai ai piedi alla guardia medica C'era lo sciopero anche dei tramvai Arrivò lì ma il dottore non c'è E il sciopero anche lui Che gioco è? Se sciopero mia moglie dice Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt. At the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. I'm Ken Squire, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And we're back. You can't say that we're not cultured here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, because we do, not only do we mess around with foreign cars, no, I should say domestic cars, we actually struggle with foreign cars. Of course, that's why we have Alan in our hip pocket, because Alan always comes to the rescue, doesn't he, Bobby? He does. He does. When we had our TR6, he was there. The only thing he never really had to work on was the Porsches, because the Porsches just really don't break. So then we go to our good friend, Frank Ibel, Ibel Porsche down there uh, for 110th in Largo. Uh, so his number is really easy to remember. 727-573-0911. How about that? Oh, zero nine eleven. I go, oh. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we're since we're jaw jacking about foreign cars, let's go back to the... Uh, but before that, we but, have a special offer courtesy of... Oh yeah, Bellador's sp- Pizza. Go ahead, Bobby. Bellador's Pizza offering 25% off exclusively to listeners of Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Tell them you mentioned Nostalgic Radio and Cars and get 25% off your order. At Bellador's Pizza, that's 727-581-5000, 727-581-5000, Bellador's Pizza. Big shout out to uh, Vinny and Timmy over there. Timmy's a car guy, and Vinny, well, he's got a black Cadillac, you know. <laughs> and Vinny's from New York, he's got a black Cadillac, you know, hey. Anyway, and I'm sure Charlie's listening tonight, so Charlie's going to run on down there real quick. 
That's provided Alan got his lawnmower running for him. At any rate, okay, so back to the Speed Culture Minute this weekend is, well, let's see, tomorrow night. No, wait a minute. Yeah, tomorrow night's Wednesday night, so you got uh, Test and Tune. You got Speed. You got Speed. Speed. You got uh, Quaker Steak and Lube. I always refer to them as Goobers and Lubers. And then Biff Burgers, which we always say Barf Burgers. See, now we can, we, can, we can actually have some fun with it. See, that's the whole idea with the shows. We're not really – we are certainly not politically correct. But Biff Burgers was a lot of fun down there. They got a, that, you know, the, the usual crowd, you know? What can I say? The usual cast of characters, so to speak. But Biff Burgers pretty cool. At least we got that going on. It's kind of like a tradition in, in Quaker Steak and Loop. And then Saturday is uh, Reeves Import Motor Cars, Cars and Coffee. And then right afterwards, uh, Gene Teston is having his – Cars and coffee with free donuts and coffee, I might add, over there at uh, Garage One, okay? And, uh, Bobby, you can look up the address when you get a chance because I don't know it offhand, but it's off Anderson Road and something or other. And then let's see what else is. Oh, yeah, Sunday. Sunday is the last Sumter County Fairground swap meet for all us parts junkies, okay? So that pretty much uh, sums it up for the um, Speed Culture Minute. Of course, it's things that we generally attend. So let's see what else. Are you about to the MGB, MGBB, BBBB? Garage One Fifty One Thirty Six West Idle Wild Drive, Tampa, Florida. That's right. Okay, so that's it. West Idle Wild, Idle Idle Wild Drive, and don't forget to Google Garage One, and you can find out their phone number too, which I should have that memorized as well. Eight seven seven three nine six eight eight nine five. Boy, Bobby, you're professional. You really are. I would be lost without you. Okay, so uh, we're going to bring our guest on and uh, in a few minutes. And uh, now here's a, the, the first song that we played was Adriano Salentano. Now that song came out in the late '60s, and he was a well-known pop singer out of Italy. Okay, this next song is by Peter Alexander, and in, in the uh, '60s, '50s, '60s, '70s, he was a well-known uh, entertainer. He was kind of like a eh, kind of like a Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra type. So, and this is a movie that he did back in the. Uh, 60s, and it was called Kraft Bobby, the Schrecken des Wilden Westens. And uh, it's a pretty cool movie. Anyway, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Green Cars. We'll be right back. Lieber alles, nur nicht zahm. Der Jimmy war so stolz auf sie, stolz auf die Rosemary. Bis der stille Johnny kam. Racing is important to men who live well. Racing is it's life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. Michael, be careful. 
This isn't just a thousand to one shot. This is a professional blood sport. And it can happen to you. And then it can happen to you again. Okay, guys, we're back. New tune to Nostalgic Beating Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Now, if you've been paying attention, we've given you numerous clues as to where we're going with tonight's show. We're actually going to Europe. That's exactly where we're going, because actually in two weeks, two weeks is the 24-hour of Le Mans. This past weekend, we had the Monte Carlo race, the Grand Prix of Monte Carlo. We also had Indy, and we had the uh, Coca-Cola 600, so we're on a racing kick, but nothing beats Le Mans, the 24-hour. That is the race of races. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the president of Fast Lane Travel. And he can make that trip to Le Mans and the Porsche factory and a number of really cool places in Europe. Very, very possible. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening Peter Sontag. Peter, are you there? I am here. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well and look forward to uh, talking about some fun things we do in Europe. Absolutely. Well, now, Peter and I first met, let's see, back in the 70s, and uh, I had the very, very good fortune of, I was a Porsche member then, PCA guy, Porsche Club of America, and I was also a Porsche owner as well as Peter, and uh, he used to run an ad in the Porsche Pana, which is the publication for Porsche Club of America, and they used to offer these really amazing excursions, say, basically saying, tour the Porsche factory. Well, I saw that for years and years and years, and then finally one day I said, I've got to do this. So that was 1980. So that's when Peter and I first met, and we've been friends ever since. And Peter, tell us a little bit about Fastlane Travel. Give us a, tell us a little bit about your humble beginnings, because you're Austrian. You're actually, like myself, a native Austrian. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I'm an immigrant, a uh, legal immigrant, I stress. Okay. And um, I came over by myself when I was 17 and uh, had the good fortune to be taken in by an American family. I was able to finish high school and then went on to college and uh, then went on to graduate school and uh, was able to uh, have a a wonderful career. And I'm eternally grateful for the opportunities uh, this country has afforded me. Uh, I would also stress that... uh, the uh, Porsche-related activities, uh, I've been able to build businesses. And when I sold my first company, uh, I bought a Porsche, and I was approached by the Porsche Club of America, uh, asked me to create a trip to where the cars are made in Zuffenhausen. And so that's the beginning. The first trip was 41 years ago in 1975. Wow. That's amazing. 75. That's a long time. Well, now you've seen the factory change. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the factory? I I was there in 80 and 81 with you. And so from 75, I think that's when they, is that right about the time they built Weissach, the new the new facility out there, right? Uh, Weissach has been there before that. Uh, oh, okay. Weissach is the Porsche uh, research facility. It's about oh, 20 odd kilometers outside of town. Uh, and... Um, 
a significant portion of Porsche's revenues are actually generated by Weissach because they are an engineering company. And, for example, the Harley V-Rod was developed by Porsche. So the Harley V-Rod is actually a Porsche, for example. They develop all the interior for the Airbus cockpits. Uh, they develop tanks for the Israeli army, etc. So it's actually a, a, an amazing engineering company, in addition to producing probably the world's uh, best sports car. Interesting, interesting. Now, the factory, from the time that I was there, how much, how, how, how much has it changed? Well, it has changed enormously. It has grown, of course, because their sales have grown spectacularly. They've also adopted the Japanese model of just-in-time inventory. So when you and I were there back in the 80s, they uh, basically had bins with various parts, and they assembled the cars, and there's a lot of noise and hammering. And today you have computers that follow underground uh, wires that bring parts to the manufacturing process in the what's called just-in-time process, and it's very efficient. Uh, they also test every single car engine and every single car. So when you, uh, for example, a couple of years ago, I picked up a brand-new Panamera GTS in Leipzig, and uh, I took it out of the factory, and uh, five minutes on the Autobahn, I had it up to 181 miles an hour. And some of my friends said, well, didn't you have to break it in? I said, I did. <laughs> okay, because it comes broken in from the factory, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It comes broken in from the factory, and the factory has changed enormously, as I mentioned, simply because they've also advanced in terms of making it more visitor-friendly. In the old days, it was a major production trying to get a tour in the factory. Today, it's very visitor-friendly. There are several goodie stores, and the works number one, number two, the Porsche Centrum, the Porsche Museum, and people can buy their souvenirs and, and enjoy the experience of being at the heart of their passion. Now, the you mentioned that you picked up your Panamera at in Leipzig, which is kind of like on the other side of Germany, actually, um, over on the eastern side. So what's that facility like, and do you conduct tours to, to the Leipzig factory as well? Yes, of course we do. Uh, uh, Leipzig is in the former East uh, Germany, and uh, it is actually about one hour south of Berlin. And uh, they, in addition to having the manufacturing plant for the uh, four-door cars, which are the Cayennes, uh, the Macans, uh, Panameras, they have an amazing racetrack there where uh, when you pick up a car there, they'll drive you around the racetrack in anything you want, a GT2, GT3, uh, 918, whatever. Really? And let me tell you, these drivers there, <laughs> um, it makes your gums bleed. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay, now, back in the 80s, we actually went out to Weissach, and we used a test track out there. In fact, I was very fortunate. I actually got a chance to ride with Hans Hermann, in a 935. Now, so do they still have the testing out of Weissach, or do they do that now only at uh, Leipzig? No, you're correct. They still have the testing in Weissach, but Weissach is not close to the public. Uh, there are so many projects going on there that they're extremely concerned uh, about retaining confidentiality. Okay. But frankly, it's easier to get into North Korea than to get into Weissach. <laughs> okay, okay. 
So give us kind of like an itinerary. Let's just say, take me through the process. I see your ad in the Panorama. And do you advertise elsewhere besides the Pano? Yes. We advertise in uh, Excellence Magazine. We advertise in the local Suncoast newsletter, the uh, profile. We also occasionally advertise in other media like the Wall Street Journal uh, or other car-related uh, uh, magazines. But the best, the best exposure we have is through the uh, Porsche Panorama, which is read by about 140,000 uh, Porsche Club members. So it's the best one, yeah. Is the Porsche Club one of the largest car clubs in the world? I believe so. Yeah, it's also the Porsche Club of America, by the way, was the first Porsche Club in the world. Oh, really? It was before Germany, yeah. No kidding. Well, I will say this, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased, because I am. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it is probably the most well-run, well-organized, and well-oiled, so to speak, cliche, uh, sports car club or car club in the world. There's no question about that. They have an amazing executive council. Uh, the uh, fellow that runs the club, Vu Nguyen, is an, an accomplished executive. Uh, the magazine is published by uh, highly professional uh, publishers. So, I mean, it is truly, uh, it is an amazing and truly worthwhile organization. They've done extremely well for the Porsche factory, and, of course, the Porsche company appreciates all that, uh, all the accomplishments uh, uh, events and training provided by the Porsche Club. Now, a typical itinerary, for example, that we offer, uh, we offer about anywhere from 17 to 20 scheduled trips a year to uh, predominantly they start out in Stuttgart, Germany. And we, of course, have trips to Austria. Uh, we do a trip to Tuscany every year. Uh, last year we had a trip to the French Riviera. Uh, Etc. So we, we try to uh, offer a variety of options. In all cases, people drive Porsches. Um, now, there's a fascination about the uh, Autobahn, uh, where people say, oh, I can't wait to get on the Autobahn, the Autobahn, the Autobahn. Well, the Autobahn is actually the interstate highway system of Germany. And uh, the interstate highway system of Germany, about, I would say, uh, 75% of it does have no speed limit. And uh, uh, people saying, oh, my God, uh, aren't there a lot of fatalities and so on? And the answer is absolutely not. If you look at the uh, statistics, you have two and a half times greater chance of getting killed in the U.S. interstate highway system with speed limits than in Germany on the Autobahn. Their, their fatality rate proportionally is only 40% of ours. Um, there are three compelling reasons for that. Uh, one, uh, it costs $3,000 to get a driver's license. You have to be 18 years old. You have to go to school for about six months, night classes. You have to take uh, professional driving courses. Uh, it's like getting a pilot's license in the U.S. Secondly, the uh, lane discipline and the laws are enforced rigorously. Uh, if you're on a multi-lane highway like the Autobahn, uh, the left lane is for passing. When you're finished passing, you move over to the right using your turn signal, and any other fast car can pass you. Uh, if you don't move over, you get a ticket for obstruction. On the other hand, if you pass on the right-hand side, like we do every day in this country, you lose your license for one year. Whoa. 
also by by affecting these the training and and uh, enforcing the laws if you will uh, I cross the Courtney Campbell frequently, as do you, I'm sure, and it says, slow traffic, keep right. But I don't think a single person on that highway knows how to read English. <laughs> uh, the third element, uh, which is very important in Germany, is there's no drunk driving. You have, uh, uh, in fact, drunk uh, a DUI in Germany would be uh, a horrible social affront, where if your neighbor has a DUI, you would never talk to them again. It's like it's like a no-no. Uh, and if you have an, an accident and you have alcohol on you and there were injuries, they confiscate the car, okay, and you don't get it back. Even if you rent it, you just bought it. And uh, the payments don't go away. So, I mean, the, the penalties are draconian. So as a result, between uh, better training enforcement and understanding of the laws and minimal uh, DUI driving, uh, it is a hell of a lot safer to drive there than it is here. Well, I can, I can attest to that because uh, I've been over there many times and, and over the, in the past, and uh, it, that's so true. The mindset of the European driver, and I'll say the German driver, we'll focus on the German driver, as opposed to the American driver, is completely... Um, different too because you put emphasis on the fact that they've got to spend three thousand dollars to get a license and spend six months through school through driver's ed and the courses they have a lot more respect for the automobile than we do over here because over here even though you're told driving is a privilege they somehow take it for granted and think it's an entitlement i would agree yeah as a matter of fact though you cannot drive over there until you're 18. So that's another uh, key element. Um, the other interesting part that may be uh, fascinating for your listeners is that the legal drinking age is 16. So, for example, uh, my dad died when I was five. My mother remarried, a wonderful man. And when I was 16, uh, he gave me a bottle of scotch to celebrate my uh, transition into adulthood. And uh, I you know, I went to my room, I put it next to my bottle of uh, gin, vodka, and cognac. So, you know, uh, alcohol over there is not a big deal, and in essence, part of the growing up process is to learn to respect it. You know, I've never heard of a binge drinking, for example, in, in Germany. That, that, that doesn't exist. That's another interesting observation, and there's a lot of truth to that as well. As Like you said, because I remember when I was growing up over there, at 14... Uh, in Austria, if I remember correctly, uh, you're from Vienna, right? All right. Okay, so um, and 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 we lived, and I grew up in Baden, by Wien, so just down the street from me, basically, and then and then I went and and I lived in Salzburg, and uh, so, but I know that people were um, drinking at 14, and it seemed to me you could smoke at an early age too in Europe, but but the but there was so much emphasis on awareness. It's uh, and like you said, people didn't get drunk and stupid like they do over here. It wasn't it was more of a social thing? Is that kind of a fair statement? I, I would I would say it's totally fair. So again, uh, they they grow up with respect uh, for alcohol and uh, typically do not abuse it. Um, now, if I can circle back for a moment to an earlier sure. question that you asked me, um, our itineraries uh, typically. Uh, we have uh, trips that are in three price points, if you will. 
Uh, we have one trip called the Treffen, uh, which is a short one-week trip where you have a car for a Porsche for three days. And um, that trip is approximately $4,000 per person. It's actually a little under 4000 3800 uh, the second price point would be in the neighborhood of uh, uh, $9,000 per person. That's typically an 11-day trip. You have a car for five or six days. And then we have a couple trips that are in the $15,000, $16,000 range that are two weeks or longer. And uh, in all cases, uh, we have late model, i.e. brand new uh, Porsches. And you can have a choice of what Porsche you want. You can have a, a C4S, a Carrera S, a Cab, a, a, a Coupe. Uh, you can have a Panamera, you know, etc. And um, each one of the trips has an itinerary. So I'll give you, let me give you an example. You mentioned Salzburg. I just came back from the Spring Treffen Plus. We went to Stuttgart. We got acclimated the first day went to the Porsche factory, went to Castle Ludwigsburg, had some lovely dinners. The next day, we uh, the cars were delivered. Then we first do a morning driver's training. We have a PowerPoint presentation where we explain very clearly what to do and, more importantly, what not to do while we're driving. Now, each one of the tours uh, is led by a professional uh, and experienced uh, lead driver, the entire group is connected with walkie-talkies, and typically you have a lead driver with about six to seven cars behind them. And uh, I was one of the lead drivers, and we started out direction to Salzburg. So we started from Stuttgart. Uh, we drove on the Autobahn uh, A8. We stopped uh, outside of Munich at a place called Chiemsee, or a lake, at lunch, and went to Salzburg. Uh, that evening, we had a wonderful Mozart concert. Uh, we then, uh, the next day, drove across the Grossglockner Mountain, which is the highest mountain range and highest alpine road in Austria, and went to Gmünd. Now, people say, what is Gmünd? Gmünd is the site of the original Porsche factory after the war. 1948, uh, uh, Dr. Porsche built his cars there, and they were all 356s, of course, and eventually moved the whole operation to Stuttgart. But it's a fascinating historic place where you're actually in the place where the cars are designed, and his original drafting table is there. On the wall hangs the original order list from Porsche number one, and Porsche number two, and number three, and who bought these cars, and, and so on. So, I mean, it was, it was quite, quite fascinating. Then uh, we also have uh, a photo rally. What's a photo rally? A photo rally is you get a booklet with pictures and questions. And again, you follow your lead driver through some magnificent countryside, and you try to find the pictures that are depicted in the book. In the back of the book, you write the answers to the questions. And then that evening, of course, is the rally dinner where... Uh, it's absolutely a blast where people, you know, are given valuable prizes, which I typically buy at the flea market in Stuttgart. And I've had multimillionaires argue about a five-euro teddy bear. You know, he cheated. No, 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 I saw him go on the Internet for the answer. He did this, he did that. Okay, both of you get a teddy bear, okay? It's like a birthday party <laughs> for eight-year-olds. So 
it's it's a lot of fun, and then we do uh, some uh, beautiful uh, country road driving uh, across about a half dozen mountain passes, and end up in Lindau, which is a beautiful city on the shore of Lake Constance. And then after a day there, we head back to Stuttgart and uh, you know look back and saying, "No, this was a spectacular trip." We also do surveys after the trip, and when people uh, basically uh, uh, we ask them, you know, what you know, what was your expectation? And we consistently get the uh, exceeded expectations. And again, uh, fast lane travel, uh, fast lane travel. It's our website, by the way, uh, www.fastlanetravel.com. Uh, your listeners can look up the various trips we have. Now, you mentioned Lake Constantine. Did you actually go into Switzerland? Because it kind of borders Lake Constantine, which is, is uh, oh, I can't remember how they call it in German, uh, Bodensee. It's called Bodensee. Yeah, Bodensee. Yeah, it, uh, doesn't it border Swiss or Switzerland, Austria, and yes. Germany? Yes, it does. Okay. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we... Uh, uh, we have a trip this fall where we go through Switzerland uh, down to Italy to Lake Como. Oh. And we're staying at the Grand Hotel Tremezzo uh, on Lake Como. And we're going to do a drive around Lake Como to Bellagio. Oh, and then my. take the ferry across with the cars. They have a car ferry. And it's an absolute hoot. Uh, we also do a photo rally in uh, northern Italy, which, which is absolutely hilarious. So, again, uh, our photo rallies are legendary. Nobody else does those. It's, uh, it's, uh, again, I encourage you to go to fastlanetravel.com. Now, Peter, you might want to put emphasis on the fact that really your whole entire event, this is a first-class event, first-class hotel. In fact, back in the 80s, we didn't, you, you're you you're talking, you guys get Porsches now. We didn't have Porsches back then. We were We had to rent a car if we wanted a car, and we rode the bus. But you guys are actually providing cars. I mean, that's pretty incredible. So that that makes the whole. I mean, explain, put the value, explain the value of the whole trip for everybody, so they have an idea on that. Because it sounds well, we, expensive, but it's we, but it's a bargain. We consistently uh, get the. Uh, I don't know how you do it for that money, and uh, the value of the trip uh, is enormous in terms of what we deliver. It is truly a five star trip, and yes, uh, we have Porsches. Now, sometimes people say, I want an unusual car, a uh, Ferrari or a Porsche Turbo. Uh, again, we can, we can get any car you want. It's just a question of, uh, of price. Uh, the, uh, uh, the value that, that people receive is that, uh, I would say, three levels. Number one, uh, I've had the chairman of one of the major corporations in the country tell me, the reason I love the fast lane travel trips is that I don't have to think. Because I know exactly that 45 minutes after breakfast when we head on the Autobahn, half the people have to pee. So <laughs> we know exactly when to stop, where to stop, and so on. Uh, secondly, uh, you never have to reach into your own pocket. Uh, it is all inclusive. The meals are included, the wine is included, the cocktail parties. Uh, in fact, in the spring and in the fall, we also include the Oktoberfest. Now, I'll circle back to that in a minute. And uh, the third level is that you don't have to speak the language because uh, 
our guides are multilingual, and uh, as we drive through the countryside, uh, I would point out, here's what this sign says, here's what this means, here's the reason this building has a red roof, et cetera, et cetera. So people not only uh, get uh, an enjoyable trip and drive, but they also uh, get a cultural immersion that they normally would not. Wow, it's like a sightseeing tour, kind of like, uh, but it's almost freelance in a way. It's like you're not really trapped in a bus. I'm also personally a little bit of a history buff, and I get a lot of comments when I uh, explain to people that, you know, this is the mountain pass where the Romans came across, and here's where they conquered uh, uh, the locals and enslaved them, and, and give a little background on all the way back to Roman times. Interesting, interesting. Now, the, the, so you do, you do 17 trips a year? That's what you do? No, we have between 17 and 18, uh, sometimes 20 scheduled trips where okay. we have, like this spring, we had seven trips in total. Okay. And then, uh, of course, we have other trips like Lermont, for example. And um, uh, the, we do quite a bit, I would say, custom trips where we get a call that uh, uh, my son we get a lot of father-son combinations father-daughter combinations and uh, we also have a special unit that creates custom trips for people picking up cars so uh, I just had a call yesterday from a Canadian Porsche dealer saying my customer is picking up a Turbo S Cabriolet in Leipzig and he wants you to lay out a three week trip and here's what he's interested in interesting so we've done a lot of special interest uh, trips. Uh, two brothers last year were musicians, and they wanted to follow the footprint of Johann Sebastian Bach. So we we took him to all the cities where Bach uh, was relevant, for example. Wow. Uh, so we try to uh, help customers not only enjoy Porsche, but go way beyond that in terms of their personal interests. We have a number of Jewish clients who also want to visit uh, sites that are, that are very important uh, to them and perhaps even reflect some of the tragedy of, uh, of the Third Reich. Now, this, uh, I think we've got about a minute left here. And Peter, tell us about the big one that's coming up in a couple of weeks. The, the, this is a trip that you've been doing for a long time, and this is one of your favorites also, and that's the trip to Tulum. To Le Mans. So, Le Mans. give us an itinerary for Le Mans, for example. Well, Le Mans is a is a is a trip that goes to the most famous race in the world, and uh, the challenge of putting a Le Mans trip together is you have to deal with the French. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but what we've been fortunate is we have established a relationship with private chateau owners ten minutes from the track. And uh, they basically leave their chateaus, and we can use them uh, for our guests. They have pools, they have horses, whatever. We also uh, have a high-quality trip in a sense that we have pit passes that are very expensive. They're about 1,200 euros per person, but nevertheless, uh, you're in the pits before the race, during the race, and after the race. Now, during the race, you have to stay out of the way because there's a lot of action going on. Uh, we also have people that are allowed to go into the Club de Pilote. Uh, we have all the meals during the race taken in the paddock with the drivers. So this is a full 
immersion race trip for the race enthusiast. You're part of a racing team. You're you're literally in the middle of the action. And um, like I said, the accommodations are close by. We also offer a pre-trip program where we take people to Normandy, to the beaches. Oh, wow. And also a post-trip program where we're going down to the Loire uh, for some wine tasting and staying in some chateaus and so on. Super. So I would say the Lamar trip is probably the, uh, the queen of all the trips that we do every year. Very expensive, I stress, okay, because, for example, I have a helicopter, and uh, we fly the helicopter over the track during the race. So oh, wow. you can watch the entire race from above. So between the chateaus and the helicopter and the various special entry passes and what have you, and the luxury service of being picked up at the airport in Paris and taken back, etc., you're looking at probably anywhere from uh, sixteen to eighteen thousand dollars a person. So uh, what what the Le Mans race costs? Wow, that's incredible. Uh, obviously, there's a lot less expensive ways to go there, but this is simply the most deluxe best trip available. Wow. Peter, we're out of time. We're up against the clock. One more time. Plug Fast Lane Travel. Fast Lane Travel uh, is a company. We're headquartered here actually in Oldsmar. Uh, we're the official travel company for the Porsche Club of America, and we welcome uh, any car enthusiast to join one of our trips. Go to our website, fastlanetravel.com. Super. Peter, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. I want to thank my special guest, Peter Sontag. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. And don't forget, every week, Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tam Talk Radio Network. She gets high. She gets high. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker. You are-